A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord, you, son of man, I have appointed watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn them for me. If I tell the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak out to assuade the wicked from his way, the wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. But if you warn the wicked, trying to turn him from his way, and he refuses to turn from his way, he shall die for his guilt, but you shall save yourself. The word of the Lord. joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us, for he is our God, and we are the people he shepherds, the flock he guides. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me. They tested me, though they had seen my works. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. The word of the Lord.
Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church, he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Forgiveness and reconciliation are probably one of the most painful ways you and I are called to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Jesus. Forgiveness and reconciliation. And today, the gospel presents us with how Jesus is establishing a process by which those he is establishing the foundation of the church, his authoritative foundation, his teaching authority, as well as the authority to bind and loose relative to moral uh, failings and sins that can create scandal in the body of Christ that can become obstacles to the grace of God. This is Jesus extending this authority today not only to Peter, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, but now to the other 11. And so as he speaks to us about this, we also can recognize there is a both and dimension to it. Yes, it's exclusively to the Pope, the bishops in communion with him, the priests that are an extension of the authority of the bishops, 
but it's also something that also permeates the entire mystical body of Christ. As the head goes, so does the body, and vice versa. We know this from the time when before uh, Paul, he was Saul, and he was persecuting the early church. As you remember, Jesus encountering him in his glorified state on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir? I am Jesus, the one whom you're persecuting. And I've always used the example, if, I, if someone steps on your foot, does not your head complain? Yes, it does. So Jesus affirming that he is a part of his body, the church. A church, mind you, that has a charge to make disciples of all nations. And while at the same time adhering to everything that the Lord has taught us in his word, but especially in his deeds. So we're told in a situation where a brother, and this again, it's not to be speaking about sibling relations here, a brother in Christ, in the body of Christ, if a brother sins against you grievously, now these are serious sins, if he sins against you, you go to that person first in a private manner, in a personal manner. It's personal and it's private. And in that time together, what are you to do? Unveil it. Unfold the situation together. Put it before them and express to them how it is that what they have done has injured you. If there is a... a, a uh, an acceptance of this, if there's a, a, a reconciliation, then you've won your brother over. But if there's resistance, if there's some stubbornness about this, there's a resistance and an unwillingness, then go and get some two other witnesses, at least two other witnesses. Here Jesus is referring to the 19th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, verse 15. This is the background by which he's appealing to the covenant ritual of process by which anything that goes against the law of God is to be dealt with, you must establish this on the grounds of two, at least two other witnesses, not one person just saying this or that. No, they need to be there. Now, whether they have to be witnesses who actually witnessed the grievance or witnessed the action, the sinful behavior, or if they were witnesses who were there at the time when you tried to extend this moment of reconciliation, we don't know, but two witnesses that are able to testify to the validity of the situation on some level. Now, if when that is brought to them and they still are resistant, then you bring it to the church. This, in a sense, would be like an ecclesiastical body, similar to like anybody who knows of anyone who has gone through the process of an annulment, which... Let me say it's not a Catholic divorce. A lot of people uh, think an annulment is a Catholic divorce. No, the declaration of a nullity, of an, of, a, of an annulment, is to state it speaks to the sacramentality of the marriage, and it's to establish that before the day of the wedding, either one or both of the parties was not willing to hold up their part of the responsibility of what marriage calls for, Christian marriage calls for, or were incapable of doing so. And this can be manifest in various ways, and they have guidelines by which this can be established. 
And so when a declaration of nullity, when a, when a person seeks an, an annulment, they go before an ecclesiastical body, those who have been commissioned and authorized by the church to discern in such a matter. And whatever that decision is, it goes to the bishop, ultimately, and he affirms or says otherwise based on what is established in the hearing. But this would be an example, a very real down-to-earth example in our times of what this we're talking about. We're not talking about go to the church like go to Rome, although sometimes some cases have to be sent to Rome for a final uh, judgment. But that's a very rare occasion. Most, more times than not, it can be dealt with in the local church of the community. But here we have it. If in that situation, even with going before the church, they remain obstinate, unwilling to be responsive to the movement of grace, to repent, to acknowledge their wrongdoing, and do what's necessary to repent and, and stay in good relations with the body of Christ, then you ought to treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. They are to be cut off. This would be the ancient and the, and the, the Jewish tradition. This would be our way of saying excommunicated, ex communicated. In other words, outside of the communion, outside of the community. And this is not, you say, well, Father, that seems so harsh. How is it that Jesus, who wants to be all-inclusive, he calls everybody to be a part of the, the, of the body of Christ, to be a part of the church, how is it that he's given these directives to cut people off? Well, it's not, it's not being done in a manner that is, that is based in malice. This is a kindness because Jesus also is very clear that the one thing that cannot be allowed to go on unchecked is willful iniquity, willful sin that's, that's being perpetuated with no intention, with that person or persons with having no intention whatsoever of repenting and making right, reconciling themselves, they have to be cut off because this is a great disruption to the movement of grace and the mission of the church, but cut off in a hope that cutting them off from the community, they will come to their senses, they will come back, but they are to be treated as those who still need to be evangelized, that still need to hear the great mystery of the kerygma, the good news, the gospel, that God has sent his only son into the world, that we may have life and have it to the full. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So this directive is specifically being spoken to the apostles. And this is laying out a tradition and a foundation for their successes down the line. But again, as you and I share in the general priesthood of Christ, his prophetic ministry as well as his uh, kingly ministry, the, the royal uh, uh, mark as well, we also must be prepared to employ the same dynamic. But very often what happens with us, somebody does us a wrong, and instead of going directly to that person in private, we tend to tell it to all of our friends or to whoever would listen to us, and that creates a climate of gossip, and it just exponentially explodes a situation that should be dealt with always with compassion and with love. Always approaching that person from the disposition of how you and I have experienced the mercy and love of God ourselves, who are always in a process of being perfected. We are all sinners in a process of being made saints. 
And we can see how the first reading in the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel, again, and it's a very, it's a very frightful passage from Ezekiel, to tell you the truth. This is, you know, did you hear what he says here? If you do not tell, he says, if you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his way, the, the wicked shall die for his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. You know, in our times, moral relativism reigns supreme. What's true for you is true for you, but it's not true for me. You, you mind your business, I'll mind my business. You do what you do, I do what I do. Well, that's just not the truth. But again, we're dealing with a climate, a culture, especially in America, where you better not, especially in matters of faith and morals, don't you think about telling somebody, you know that's not right. You know better than that. Oh, who, what? Big, big thing. And so a lot of times out of fear for that kind of backlash, we remain silent. But if we say we love our brother or our sister in Christ, it's not about being nice. Nice is not an adjective used to describe God or any of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Kindness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's a kindness to tell the person you and I love something about what they're doing that they need to deal with and to be willing to accompany them or to bring into the situation those that can accompany that person to bring about healing or restoration of whatever is, is, is in need. But Ezekiel, this writing from Ezekiel, if we remain silent, we don't say anything, then it's on us. Now, after you speak to it, and if they persist, well, then your, your conscience, you're good. You've done your part. Now, of course, we continue to pray for conversion all the time. We want to pray for the conversion of sinners, primarily with the person you see in the mirror first, and for all the world. So, as we look at this writing today, as we hear this word of God, we also gain clarity about how it concludes. Amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, very often this passage is to say, well, if two of us together come together and we pray, well, Jesus is there and whatever we pray for, it's going to be granted to us. But again, remember, this is being spoken to the apostles, to the twelve. So wherever the two, two or more of them are gathered and they're praying about a matter that needs to be adjudicated in some way, they need to rule on or make a, a decision, Jesus promises his presence is there. And it shall be held, bound in, uh, on, in heaven as it is on earth, or loosed in heaven as it is on earth. This would be akin to ecumenical councils, such as Vatican II, Vatican I, Trent, and so forth. That's the body of apostles coming together, much more than two, obviously, Jesus present there, affirming and confirming their decision or decisions. So this should give us uh, a great peace in our hearts to know that the church that we have today, albeit, yes, we still have our fair share of saints and sinners that, are, that comprise the body of Christ, but that does not negate 
or discount the fact that Christ governs her and has empowered the church to rule authoritatively in matters of faith and morals for the well-being of the entire mystical body of Christ, enabling us, as St. Paul exhorts us, owe, to not owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And that, mind you, is a mandate that Jesus has entrusted to us that can only be fulfilled with the grace of God. To will the good of the other purely as other, to act in that person's best interest, to put ourselves second for the good of the other, whether we like them or not, whether we feel good about them or not, requires the grace of God for us to do such a deed. Which again, encapsulates all of the law and the prophets. So today, we hear the voice of God in his word. We pray not to harden our hearts, not to be resistant to this movement of grace, but to receive it and to trust that the Lord of heaven and earth continues to be among us, imparting to us the ministry of reconciliation for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. God love you. <laughs>